Hey, I'm Kamara Rose, and this is Everyday Changemakers, conversations with social change practitioners about the journey of personal transformation and social transformation. The principle of having authority in your life means to actually be the author of your life. To be the author of your life means to retell stories, recast and reimagine the meaning of them. I become not the victim of the story, I become the victor of the story. That level of authority is a profound truth and a profound teaching that I think transforms everything in our lives. This week, I'm talking to Rodney McKenzie. Rodney is a community organizer, movement builder, and out person of faith who serves as the VP of Campaigns and Partnerships for Demos, a public policy organization working for an America where we all have an equal say in our democracy and an equal chance in our economy. Rodney grew up as a military kid traveling a lot, but he always remained close to his grandmother in Dallas, Texas. My grandmother loved me regardless. I was out, and my grandmother was the one who encouraged me to bring the boyfriends to Thanksgiving and who just was like, I want you to be who you are, and really believed in unconditional love. And my grandmother was the one who, when the, her pastor would preach against gay people, my grandmother was the one who would say, don't pay him any mind. He doesn't understand God's love. She understood religion and she understood the church as flawed. I remember her stories about growing up in East Texas, not being able to wear white shoes because white was too good for black people, even to put on their feet. You could get arrested in her little East Texas town for wearing white shoes. And I know for a fact, those kinds of values and laws and codes were also what the church grappled with too. So I think that my grandmother understood that that there's a way in which black church tradition had always been about resisting what people said, like resisting people's interpretation of the biblical text, resisting the notion that God called black people to be slaves. So there was like this resistance ethic that she just lived with and abided in. And my grandmother would always say to me as a child, it is about a personal relationship with Christ. She passed that on to me and wouldn't allow me to be devoured by the way that people wanted to limit God. Like it was in her, her body, it was in her values, uh, even if she felt like her preacher was mistaken. You know, I think that my grandmother was a true believer a believer of God's unlimited power, a belief of God's unlimited grace, and a belief that God was creating a new work every day. When Rodney was in his late 20s, his grandmother passed away. At her funeral, he sat in the church and listened to stories about how loving, kind, and joyful she was. And then the pastor began to preach the sermon, and he was this older guy who, you know, had diabetes, so his legs were cut off. I remember him wheeling himself in front of me, and I could see my grandma's beautiful gold casket, and he preached saying that gay people were going to hell. And I almost could feel my grandmother saying, this is your work. 
you have to confront this nonsense. And I remember crying, not because of what he said, but because of I could not run from what I was called to do in a church of 300 people in South Dallas, Texas, where most of these folks made less than $30,000 a year. The thing that he wanted to preach about was homosexuality. Didn't want to preach about how black people were struggling in that neighborhood, in that community. He didn't want to preach about the way that voting rights were being stripped away. He didn't want to preach about how people were being killed by the police. He wanted to preach about my love for a man. And I remember that moment getting it, and it was outrageously beautiful. And I remember putting on Facebook, thank you, you know, to this preacher, like, I now know my work. And I opened a church like a month and a half later because I was so clear that I was called to do a work that actually challenged this kind of pathetic theology, a theology that actually didn't uplift people, but a theology that allowed someone who was struggling you know, in their lives to make someone else worse so they could feel better about who they are. I knew that my work was to actually stop hiding, you know, and stop feeling ashamed, but seeing that the wound is actually the place where your calling is. My grandmother brought this idea that I'm here to save my grandchildren. I am actually here to create a new pathway or new pathways that are bigger than what I could do. In that moment at his grandmother's funeral, Rodney felt like he got permission to live fully. And he started a church called Expansion, a church focused on what happens when God expands you and expands your awareness of what's possible. I wanted to open a church that was beyond the borders of traditional Christianity. It wasn't just about coming together, but it was about what's your dream And how do you put your dream at the forefront of your faith? What happens if we create a church that pushes you to be more than who you thought you were? A church that actually said that that dream that you've been afraid to name is actually what God wants for you. Because those are the dreams and desires that God has called us to live out at the forefront. I would do this thing where I would preach and I would have a mic so someone could say what they heard or what they're struggling with. And one of the first ones someone talked about that What they're hearing was that God loved them. That week they had been tested positive for HIV. And whereas they thought that was God saying they were wrong, they realized that they just now understood God's love and that there was nothing wrong with them and that they were okay. And I was like, that's the powerful moments, right? Like, how do you take the information that you've received in a week and actually flip it from this thinking that you are wrong or flipping that this idea that this is God proving that you're going to go to hell. And you begin to realize that actually every experience is God loving you and that you can see this in a new way. It reminds me of Marian Williamson who says that a miracle is a shift in perception yeah, that's right. when you are just able to see things differently. That's right. The principle of having authority in your life means to actually be the author of your life. To be the author of your life means to retell stories and to recast and reimagine the meaning of them. And so at Expansion Church, one of the first classes we actually taught was about stories. And what stories are you telling about your life and yourself? And then what happens if you shift the story? So whereas as a kid or as a teenager, I was going to black churches and hearing pastors preach these sermons against gay people, and I read them as me being beat up and me being harmed. 
like what happens when I have an experience at my grandmother's funeral where it becomes not me being beat up, but the clues of what I'm supposed to do. So I become not the victim of the story, I become the victor of the story. That becomes like information, the distinction between a 911 and a 411, right? So instead of it being a 911, like an emergency about who who and what I am, it becomes information about what I've been called to do. I'm upset because I'm actually supposed to resist this. I'm upset because I'm actually supposed to create something that ensures that no one ever has that experience again. So that level of authority is a profound truth and a profound teaching that I think transforms everything in our lives. Hey everyone, I'm taking a short break here to give you an invitation. And that invitation is to try telling a new story about yourself to yourself. Is there a story that you're telling yourself over and over again? It could be something that happened in the past that you keep playing in your mind. Or it could be a story that you keep imagining about the future. The invitation is to see if you can reimagine that story from a different perspective. See if you can change things in the story so that you are the hero. You could try writing your new story down or drawing it out if that helps, but give it a try. And remember, there are a lot of resources for you for free that can also help you to tell a new story for yourself at kamararose.com resources. Okay, back to the conversation. I love that thing of the 911 versus the 411 information as breadcrumbs, like data. It's all just data and it comes in, but it's supposed to be informing me (laughs) about my call or my journey. So for you, I'm just curious how in your practice, like spiritually, do you stay in that place of... 411. It's just data coming in and using it to continue to keep you sustained and nourished. Yeah. For me, it's truly about like, what do I believe and know to be true about God? Period. That's literally where I start. If I know that that which I call God or that which that which is what I call life is all knowing <laughs> and it is all powerful, and it is all present. If that is my premise about God, then actually everything else becomes so much easier. I get just clearer. And so I will often just think about in moments of crisis where I'm like freaked out. I just remember, you know, what is this thing that I know to be about God? And for me, like God is all there is. And if God is all there is, what does that mean? And if God is all-knowing, what does that mean? And so for me, it's about understanding who and what God is and then recognizing that I am one with God, like I am connected with God, I am God's child, I am God's, the place in which God does its creation. Like if I remember that, then I can actually look at experiences and go, oh my goodness, how is this situation or this experience supporting me in believing and knowing more or experiencing more of myself? There's nothing that can be against me because God 
is with me. It's no longer like words you print on t-shirts and hope to be true. It's right. like a, it becomes like an ethic. Right. Like what you know and what you believe. I remember when I first went to seminary, the teacher came up to me and said, my one thing that I have to teach you is that you're actually not wrong. That actually you've been good this whole time. And it spoke to me in such a deep way because in the tradition I came in from, it was all about hell. It was all about doing these things so you wouldn't be in hell. And so it was not about life. It was more preparing yourself to die. Hey everyone, I'm taking a quick break here because I really wanna know who you are and what you think about everyday change makers. There are people listening to this show all across the United States, from New York to California, from Florida to Vermont, from Nevada to Texas to Ohio, from West Virginia to Georgia to Minnesota, all over. And internationally, there are people listening from South Africa, Germany, the UK, Albania, Norway, Singapore, Australia, Spain, Hong Kong, Argentina, and more. So I'm giving you all a shout out to thank you for listening. I am so excited that the podcast has traveled as far as it has, and I'm so curious who you all are and what change-making work you do in the world. If you have a moment, drop me a line to tell me about you and tell me your thoughts on the podcast. You can contact me at kamararose.com slash contact, or you can write in the review section of Apple Podcasts. Either way, I would love to hear from you. So write me at kamararose.com slash contact or write in the review section of Apple Podcasts. Can't wait to hear who you all are. Okay, back to the conversation with Rodney. Will you talk a little bit about how you keep this front and center? Remembering who God is, who you are, remembering that basically it's like you are enough or you have everything that you need and it's all okay. What are the things that you do on a daily basis that keep you centered in that? Yeah, I mean, there's two two things and they're not magical at all. Like one of them is I believe in having a morning practice and, you know, the simple version of it is a five, five and five, like five minutes of reading something that is like uplifting, five minutes of writing, and then five minutes of just meditating. In 15 minutes, in the first part of your morning, it allows you to like create your foundation of clarity and of truth. But also I believe in prayer. I really love a science of mind and the way they actually talk about prayer, remembering that you're one with God and remembering then everything that is true about God is true about you. And I feel like there's something about the feeling tone when I can feel that I'm loved and that I am love. Like, I worry less about things. Right. And this comes back to this thing about knowing. Because yeah. it's not about an intellectual understanding. Intellectual understanding really means yeah. nothing. <laughs> it At has all. to be this deep yeah. knowing. That's right. Live and move and have your being. Like, yes. that kind of knowing. When you say five minutes of reading, five minutes of writing, are there books or sources that you return to over and over? I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the science of mind. I'm a big fan of A Course in Miracles. 
I'm a big fan of the of the Tao Te Ching. I feel like any Mary Oliver poem is actually going to be able to take me deep into the truth of who and what I am. Any like Ernest Holmes or Joel Goldsmith teachings are going to take me in. It's really about what are the teachings or what are, what can you read that is not going to scare you or like put you in panic. When I start my mornings like watching the news, that actually changes me when I am like consuming that there's something wrong. Like when I'm consuming of how there's another emergency, when I'm consuming that all the time, then everything in my world becomes an emergency. I'm looking for something to beat me up. I'm looking for something to be wrong, which is not the most powerful way I can be in my own world. I love what the Stoics say, right? The one thing I can control in my life is what I think and what I believe and what I know to be true. And so, and that colors every experience. If I remember, like right now, I'm a powerful being that God has called me to be a light in the world. And so what that means is this darkness that I see is an opportunity for me to light it up. Today at Demos, Rodney brings his own faith-rootedness, his own ministry, into his work as a manager and a leader. You know, as I've gotten older, ministry is for me is not about being in a church. You know, ministry for me is not about preaching at a pulpit, but ministry is actually the way that I live my life, the way I'm in relationship with people, the way I supervise and manage people, the way I tell people or remind people to take breaks, the way I can start meetings off with meditation and stillness and silence. In some meetings, we start off with just breathing and bring our full selves into a space. Uh, Or intense moments when meetings are hard, offering for people to let's stop and let's take a breath. Let's breathe. Like that we're actually all okay. We're puzzling this out. Like all is good. For me as a manager and as a supervisor, it's so easy, especially in the work environment, to feel like we have to compete against someone. And like, what if it's not a competition? You're good. You're here because you're good. And so like reminding people of their goodness, celebrating people, lifting people up, and just reminding them of who they are is, I think, powerful ministry. Yeah. And when you say reminding people of their goodness, I really like that. And I wonder, I mean, is there a specific example of a time where you've played that role where you were reminding somebody of their goodness? All the time. We're living in a time in which it's so easy to walk outdoors and to hear someone say that to make America great again is to go back to a day when when people couldn't be who they were. Or it's so easy to walk outside and think there's something wrong with you or that your political beliefs are less than or that your government is against you. I think so many of us are holding the trauma of what happens if I go into a Starbucks? Will the police get called on me? Or, you know, what happens if I hold my partner's hand? Or what if I, you know, am holding a Bible? How will people perceive who I am? Or what happens if I have no interest in a Bible, right? Like all these things, like there's these wounds and pains that are all around. And so we walk into offices holding all of that. And even if it's not you, like even if you're someone who... None of that, none of that actually uh, touches your life. 
we're stewing in it. People are holding on to that. And so you're walking, someone pushes you because they're holding on to what may have just happened to them or what they just saw on the news. You know, I was a few minutes ago, I just saw that another school was shut down in Texas because of some shootings. What happens on the inside of me when I'm thinking about that and my imagination of what that is or thinking about my families in Texas, is this the school that my brother's kids are in? So we're holding all of that, like we're holding all of that in, in our bodies. And that doesn't even count for like what we read on Twitter or Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook, right? All of that. And so then we bring that into an office where we say we're here to do work, but we're bringing in all of those pains and those feelings and those sadness and those stories. And so you walk into an office where you feel like in order to pay my rent, I need to perform a certain way. And I think it is our task as people of faith or as people who know who we are to say the rent is gonna get paid, like you're good. Now, let, like, let's take a breath. Let's be okay. Like, let's do work together in a new kind of way. Let's create a space where we don't have to compete with each other. Let's create a space that we can actually have a world, even in this office, where we're seen fully and we can be vulnerable in who and what we are. It makes me think of, um, who was it that said, everybody you encounter is fighting a battle mm. that you know nothing about. That's right. Be kind. Yeah, that's right. And what I heard you saying is we're all showing up. We all have our own stories or traumas, what all the stuff. That's right. And most of it is hidden away. Nobody, other people can't see it. That's right. And when we can bring some compassion or some openness. So when it's like, oh, so-and-so said this or did this, instead of being like, they're wrong or, mm -hmm. you know, I want to strike out or lash out. It's being able to like extend some generosity. Mm -hmm. That's right. Of like, I don't really know. I don't know their story. I don't know where they come from. I don't necessarily know. I don't know enough yeah. <laughs> to yeah. know like w what's influenced them. And so it's it's like that non-judgment. One of my favorite, uh, I think this is from A Course in Miracles. It describes that we're like in a nightmare. You know, what happens when you see your child and they're resting and they're having a nightmare. You can't jump into the dream and make things okay. What you can do is actually wake up the child. And so in a world in which we are in nightmares about, you know, that we can't have enough or we're not enough or because of the color of my skin, I'm not as good or all those things. Sometimes we spend so much time trying to enter into a dream and make the dream better when actually what we are called to do is to wake people up. And waking people up is about moving, like the Buddhists say, right? The biggest distance is from the head to the heart. If we can actually help people get to their heart <laughs> and remember who they are and hear that voice that says, all is okay, like you're actually good, we got this, that to me is like transformative work. Well, in closing, I wonder if you would like to say a prayer or it could be an intention or an affirmation, maybe speaking to this waking up. What is it that you want to bring alive in the world? Yeah, that's so good. What I've been thinking about a lot lately is if God is love and, and joy and peace, which I believe, you know, that God is love, that God is peace, that God is joy, that God is all there is, that, that God, that life, that love, that joy, that ease, 
that passion, that creativity, that wholeness, that goodness is everywhere present right now. And that means that actually at the molecular level of our being right now, there's nothing but love and joy and peace and ease and power and presence and hope and goodness. And I just want all of us to live that out and to feel that and sense that and allow that to actually color our lives right now in this moment. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for doing this. Anytime. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Remember, I would love to hear from you. So write me at kamararose.com slash contact or write in the review section in Apple Podcasts. You can find Everyday Changemakers resources at kamararose.com slash resources. This podcast is a production of Yours Truly in collaboration with Mark Media. Till next time.